Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. God bless you, family. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. I hope that you have enjoyed the Sunday experience so far. It may be a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Thank you for joining us whatever day of the week it is. I am excited to be able to present the word to you today as we, the Church of Jesus Christ, along with the rest of our nation, approach Election Day. We are just a couple of weeks away from Election Day. And as challenging as 2020 has been, I think everyone realizes that the election season is going to be a challenging one for our nation. We are more divided than we have ever been before. There are hyper, uh, there's hypersensitivity to just about every issue. And in conversations with, with our staff, as I have had conversations with other pastors, it's become evident that just about everything in our society has been politicized, or at least that's how it feels. That everything we might speak about, everything we might touch, to one degree or another has been encased in some type of political ideology. So my goal today, and it won't be a long message, and it's gonna be a simple one, but my goal today is to have us as the Church of Thrive, the church that God established here in San Joaquin County that is based in the small valley town of Lathrop, California, that we, the church, understand God's calling on our lives and that we have the opportunity of a lifetime, the opportunity of, of, of our generation, really, an opportunity that, that the church has not had in probably 100 years to engage such a difficult time like a pandemic and social unrest and then bring in a, a political season, the election of our president and our state uh, leadership, our county governors in a, an environment that is so divided. We have the opportunity to be who God has called us to be in season and out of season. And I want you to know, friend, we cannot be intimidated by this hour. We need to establish ourselves once again in the word of God. We need to ask the spirit of God to fill us again. And we need to confront the season as messengers, as prophets, as pastors, as teachers, as evangelists of the good news of Jesus Christ that no matter what we see before us with all of its chaos and with the, with the cacophony of noise trying to distract us and take our eyes off the ball, that we have the message that can bring order to chaos. We have the light of the world that dispels any darkness like he did in creation. When he created the universe and he said, let there be light and the light came and dispelled the darkness, we have that light of the world in us to be able to present the good news and to be the church in this hour. Let me just let you know as you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, before we go to that passage, let me remind you that you were born for such a time as this. You could have been brought to life at 
any time in history. And some of us, maybe during the last eight months, have wished we were born in some other time. You know, I, I, I'm just about ready to give up indoor plumbing to get out of 2020. I don't even, I've always loved the fact I got HVAC. I live in a time where I get ice cubes in, out of my freezer and indoor plumbing instead of like the previous 2,000, 6,000 years. But some of us have been tempted. You know, let's just get 2020 over with. I wish I was living at some other time. But all of this wasn't happening. But God predestined you to live today for a reason, to lead your family today for a reason. Your children need you to lead, not, not, not lead them into chaos and, 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 and um, fear and anxiety. Your children who are having to face a computer monitor every day, who have been disconnected from their peers for months. They need you and I to step up. Our kids need us to step up and lead for such a time as this. We have been given life. So let's confront the adversity. Let's be like Joshua and Caleb who had a different spirit than when we look across the land and see all of the giants that seem to be so ominous and, and, and too big for us. Let's confront them with the faith of those two and say, God can give us the land. God can give us the victory in this season. And so as we approach the election, I wanna remind us of some very important things that we need to keep in mind. I want you to know that every Christian should vote. We should, we should use the vote to have an opportunity to be salt and light in our society. Elections are important. Voting is an opportunity to help steer the direction of our nation. Our nation is changing in so many ways and not so often for the good. Our, church, our, our, our nation has lost its identity. It's lost its way, its spiritual orientation. The founding fathers established this nation on biblical principles. They had church before they had meetings, the first Congresses. And so we were established as a nation built on Christian principles. In fact, the word of God, and we've lost our way. So voting is our opportunity to help to bring influence, kingdom influence to our society. That isn't really about politics so much per se because the word politics is so loaded. When we think someone's being political, it's usually a bad thing. But let me just let you know, when it comes to policy making, legislation, laws of our land, we have an opportunity through our vote to help preserve, as SALT does, the life of our state, the life of our nation. But our hope is not in elections. Some believers have begun to follow another gospel and they're building hopes on elections and they're building hopes on political platforms. <clears throat> that is unbiblical, friend. And if that's been you, repent. Repent for following a false god. Our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is not in the governor's mansion. Our hope is not in our vote. If the world is held together by our votes, then we should be very worried. But since it's not, since the world is held together by the sovereignty of God, we should have great faith and joy and peace and not lose our identity in this season. We have the opportunity to remember today 
just a couple of weeks from election Tuesday, that our hope is not in a government made of men, nor a government that is orchestrated or led by men. Our hope is in God and God alone. The title of this two-part series is In God We Trust. In God We Trust. It's on our money. It's, it's, it's a part of our identity as a nation. I know there are secularists that want to try to eradicate any type of faith or religion from our society. If they could have their way, we'd be a godless nation. But it's on our currency because we don't put our hope in capitalism or democracy. We put our trust, our confidence in God and God alone. That's what's kept you together these last seven months. If you are still put together, it's not because you put your hope in a vaccine or in, in, in some medical expert's opinions. It's because you put your hope in God. You trust in God. And so we as a church have to keep that in mind. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Let's keep our mind focused on what is true. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, just a few verses here. As Abram follows the call of God in the book of Genesis. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the calling of Abram, the father of the nation of Israel and the spiritual predecessor, patriarch of the spiritual nation of God. And I want us to, to see four attributes because as much as we love our nation and we're calling you to pray for our nation on Sunday, November 1st at five o'clock right here at Thrive to pray for our nation as we go into this election, as we pray for God's will to be done in the election, but we also pray for peace in our land and we pray for, uh, for churches to rise up in our nation to serve our cities, our communities, so that God's kingdom can be established here. We are a nation of believers. We're not just a nation of citizens, U.S. citizens, residents of this country, but we are more than that. We're not, I'm not just a Spanish American or Latin American. You're, you're not just an Irish American or an African American. There's an identity that supersedes the color of our skin or our nation of origin or, or the language that we spoke when we were being raised in our homes. Our spiritual identity is preeminent, most important. Our spiritual identity that, that crosses every language and, and culture and traditional boundaries. The kingdom of God established here through us, his people. And Abram was the forefather of this spiritual nation, this family of God. We are citizens of heaven. That is our core identity. 
and it must supersede our ethnic identity, and it must supersede our political identity. It must supersede our socioeconomic identity or our educational identity. This spiritual identity, this reality that we will one day be in heaven all together, people of all periods of history, epochs, and, and again, cultural and traditional backgrounds, worshiping God, why? The one factor, why? Why are we family? But, but just the blood of Jesus Christ is what makes us family. The people of God. And Abram was chosen to be the patriarch of the nation of Israel, which is now lived out symbolically in the people of God. We are now the people of God. And so let's look at the beginnings of our people. Let's look at the beginnings of our nation. And let's find four identifying factors that I hope will encourage you now, now, as we engage this season, in particular this political season. Now we've been, at times I've been kind of on a soapbox about social media and, and believe me, that's because that, that, that's a big deal. Social media is a big deal. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they're big deals because our voices carry so far. And if we're careless, it isn't like we're just gonna hurt two or three people, but now we might hurt two or 300 people. We're not just gonna isolate one person. We might spiritually isolate a dozen people with a careless post or repost of someone else's opinion. But the truth is that our identity cannot be found in any other place but the kingdom of God. And with this identity as the people of God, a people of the kingdom, come some powerful attributes. The first one is that the people of God are a people of action in any land. I'm gonna read that again, I want you to capture this. The people of God are a people of action in any land. Look what, how God calls Abram. He says, Abram, go. Someone out there say go. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. We are a people of action. It's not enough to just be a believer. It's never been okay. The kingdom of God is not made up of bench warmers. I want you to know that. There's a book called I'm Not a Fan. And the premise behind the book is that we're not supposed to be a fan of God and his ways. We're supposed to be engaged. We're supposed to be doing something. And that is true. Biblically, we are all on a mission. And so mission implies action. It isn't enough for me just to feel sorry for someone who is poor. I should try to do something about it. It isn't enough just to feel pain for someone who's sick in the hospital. I should send them a card. And if they'll let me in the hospital, maybe go visit them. It's not enough just to hope that my neighbor finds Christ. I have to share the gospel, invite them to church, invite them to a Thrive group where they can encounter loving people and the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. See, we are people of action. It really matters what we do and what we say. It really matters that we are involved. And during this season, again, I just like to remind you that vote, 
vote here in California, a lot of times we think, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty one-sided state in terms of voting demographics, but vote. Vote. Be a people of action. I've been so pleased by seeing righteous protests, spiritual gatherings, uh, prayer meetings breaking out on, on, on the, the lawns of the Capitol and, and singing of praise and, and worship, uh, people gathering together to pray outside of coffee shops. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing voices being spoken, not of red or, or blue, not of the donkey or the elephant, but of the truth and hope of Jesus Christ. We are people of action, friend, so take action. We're meant to be salt and light. We're meant to be his his envoys, his ambassadors of the good news. And let me tell you something. Let me remind you of something here. We are not called to build human institutions that fail in a generation. We are not called first and foremost, to build up uh, um, organizations or movements based on the thoughts and ideas of man. That's why this is not about politics per se, but this is about the kingdom of God. What are we doing in this hour to build the kingdom of God? What actions are we taking to help allay the fears of our loved ones? to help calm the anxiety of our coworkers instead of stoking the flames of fear or resentment or bitterness or anxiety because we are anxious and fearful and bitter. God wants us to build his kingdom, not a political platform, but to build his kingdom, to speak the gospel truth, to pray powerful anointed prayers to carry the burdens of our brothers and sisters. We are called to be a people of action. From the very beginning, God was told to go. God told Abram to go. Abram was commanded to leave his comfort zone and to move into new territories, certainly uncharted waters for him. He was called to act. We are called to act. Act in his name and act with his character and to be moved by his heart, not to build a political platform. Because everything man-made will fall apart. Everything made by the hands of men and women will eventually dissolve, will deteriorate. So what do we build? We build the kingdom of God. We build faith in the hearts of men and women. We build a, a, a desire in others for truth and for the presence of God. We stoke the passions, not of a political party, but for the presence of God and to desire his word and to want transformation. That's our call of duty, is to act in his name and with his heart. We are called to act in any land. I love this. I love that. I don't know if we can get that title just back up on the screen real quick, but I want to remind you, we are called to act in any land. Friend, you're a missionary. God breathed life into your lungs. Some of y'all shouldn't be here anymore. Some of you shouldn't have made it out of the womb. 
but you're here on mission, not just to be an American citizen, although what a tremendous privilege, and we love our nation, but you are first and foremost on a mission from God. You have destiny, you have purpose, you have significance. And it isn't to build something that will perish after you die. It's to build the kingdom of God. As long as we have light, as long as we have breath, until he comes back, the door is open to act in any land, regardless of who's in charge, regardless of what we like or don't like. Believe me, things will happen that will grieve our hearts, just like they grieve his heart. But we have been called to act, not to, be, not to be afraid. We have been called into the land. And let God knock the giants down. You've been called to be a people of God in any land. Number two, the people of God aren't just to act in any land, but we are blessed in any land. Someone out there say blessed. In fact, just say, I'm blessed. I know you said it. We are people of God that are blessed in any land. Land. Verse 2, God tells Abram, I will make you into a great nation. And read these four words with me. I will bless you. Abram, go to a place I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you a great nation, a great people. We are the people, the nation of God. And I will bless you. It wasn't go and I might bless you. It wasn't go and maybe I'll have enough resources to bless you. It isn't like go and if I get a bonus for Christmas, then I'm going to take you to Sizzler and bless you. It isn't that. It isn't, it isn't tethered to anything other than obedience. Go, I'll bless you. It wasn't go and maybe I'll bless you. It wasn't act and I just might bless you. Go I'll bless you. Act, I'll bless you. Act the way I've called you to act, I'll bless you. Go where I tell you to go, I'll bless you. Do what I've called you to do, I will bless you in any land. God's blessings are not subject to who's in charge, humanly speaking, or what condition the economy is in, or what your doctor tells you about what's going on in your body, God has the power to bless you in any land. No government, no law can remove the blessing God has for his people. Now, Abram was going where he didn't have resources and he didn't have an army going with him. He just had his clan. He didn't go where there was a job waiting for him. He went to unknown parts. His blessing was not tethered to his connections, except to connect with God. His blessing wasn't connected to a network of potential, you know, co-workers or supervisors. He was networked with God. God was the source of his blessing. God was the source of his prospering. God causes his people to reap a harvest in the middle of a desert. If he has to bring water from a rock, he'll do it to bless you. 
You might look around and say, oh my gosh, the nation is so different and it's, it's, it's unbiblical and there's so much happening that, 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 that is nerve-wracking and it causes anxiety. There's an exodus from California. I know, there's a people leaving California. Well, one reason is it's, it's expensive here, but also because of politics and policy and, and laws. We'll talk about that in a moment. But let me tell you, friend, if God's called you here, he'll bless you here. I'm not leaving California until he says to go. And I don't know, I like it here. I don't always like what I see, but I am the kind of guy who thinks I don't matter what, what's in front of me, God's bigger. No one's gonna stop me from getting where God wants me. Who's gonna stop God? Who's gonna take God's hand and move it off of me? Who's gonna take God's hand and take it off your head? No one can. The devil himself can't. The whole slew of Satan's army couldn't do that. With one word, he created the universe. He's got you, he's got me. And in this land, friend, regardless of what happens, on election Tuesday, God will prosper those who do what he says. God will provide favor to those who go where he sends them. God will provide power and strength and influence. God's desire is to bless his people. We are the people of Joseph who God caused promotion. Though he was a former fugitive, he was a Jew, he, was a, he had been human trafficked, he had been falsely accused of attempted rape, and he was incarcerated, yet God had no problem getting him next to Pharaoh. Why? God wanted to bless Joseph in the land of Egypt. And so he did. Joseph, surrounded by thousands of false gods. Joseph, surrounded by generations of institution, institutional power. Generation after generation, God had no problem getting Joseph next to Pharaoh. Because no one can stop his blessing. We are a people who are blessed in any land. Number three, the people of God are a blessing in any land. We're not just blessed, but can I just tell you, you've been blessed to be a blessing. If God's given you more money, it ain't just so you can buy something cool. God's given you more so you can bless someone else. If God's given you influence in the office, it isn't so you can just have a cool, cool office in the corner. God wants you to help bless other people. If God's given you a winning smile, Use it. I don't have it. You got it. You use it. If God's given you talent, if God's given you creativity, if God's given you connections, use it for his glory. God has given us a blessing so that we can be a blessing in any land. Now, this, is, this will be the crux. I have one more point, but let me kind of start to land the plane here. If, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. We vote, we should be voting according to God's word. We're Christians first, Americans second. We should be Christians first, Democrat or Republican or Independent or Libertarian, whatever that is, because that, that depends on who you talk to. Second, we are Christians first. So when we go to the ballot box, what we should be doing is praying for God to help us use our vote, our influence to be salt and preserve our nation. But let me just tell you, especially here in California, there is a movement, and we've talked about this before. There is a movement to undermine religious liberty 
religious freedom, and religious influence. Just in the last few years, we've seen most recently an attempt. It hasn't happened yet here in California, but they tried, and they're gonna try again. For example, to pass a law that would make it illegal for a church, Pastor Eric, to counsel, encourage, support someone who has had a homosexual lifestyle to abstain from that homosexual lifestyle because they want to live their life according to God's word. They want to make it illegal for me. I'm telling you, if they pass that law, I might go to jail. You better help bail me out because I can't lie. And so there is a movement to handcuff the church. Republicans are not the hope of the world. Democrats are not the hope of the world. Capitalism isn't the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And so if there's homework to be done, I would say, look to see who's voted to hinder the work of the church because it's just getting started. This, it could be a watershed moment. We have to protect the autonomy and the power of the church for many who trumpet a separation between church and state, the state starting to infringe on the church. Now that should make every believer, regardless of political stripe, concerned because our hope is the gospel. In all of its truth, in all of its teachings, it's the hope of the world. God has called us to be a blessing, to bless those around us with the message and the power that sets the captive free. And I'll end with this. For, those, for anyone today who is just feeling overwhelmed with fear and anxiety, let me tell you this. The people of God are under his sovereign protection in any land. I, I just made a little half a joke that I could end up in jail. But I'll tell you what, I believe God's got my back no matter where I am. You know what God promises Abram? He says, I will bless you. <clears throat> and then he says this in verse three, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We, the church, the bride of Christ, in a season that is, if we're honest at all, it can be daunting. Not just pandemics, not just social injustice, not just civil unrest. But in this time when we see the erosion of biblical principles that were interwoven into our society. Hospitals were built in his name. Orphanages were built in his name. The way that we write laws, although we have an imperfect history, were built on the premise that we are made in the image of God. We have a lot of work to do as a nation to reflect truly his kingdom, but as believers seeing 
our nation become frayed in the most important ways, which are spiritual. We can be intimidated, but I want you to know, friend, that we enjoy the sovereign protection, defense of God. He is behind you. You need to know this. Listen, because I know there's a lot of anxiety. Our kids are hearing stuff at school or, or on, on, online, and they're hear, hearing the news. They might even be hearing us talk, and we might be feeling, saying things that are full of anxiety and exasperation and, and concern, maybe even fear. We need to regroup and understand that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that his will will be done, that in the end we win. He will not be frustrated. We have to regroup and understand that where to go and that we'll be blessed and that we will be a blessing and we can move freely in those truths because God is with us. And he will bless those who bless you, but he will curse those who curse you. He has our back. So family, as we come down towards Election Tuesday, let's be a people of prayer. Let's replace any personal agenda, any political agenda with the agenda of God. The truth is, there is no political party that has cornered the gospel. Let's be true to the word. And let's enjoy the reality that even now, we enjoy his favor and he wants us to be useful. I love you, family. Make plans to be with us on Sunday, November 1st at 5 p.m. right here for worship, but most importantly for prayer as we intercede for our country, our families, our children, and the church of Jesus Christ. I love you. I love you. And I look forward to walking through this with you. God bless. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.